to uh, it's incredible. Uh, good to see you guys. Happy Sunday. How are you guys doing all? Hanging in there through the pandemic? It's making it. We're happy to see you. It's great to gather together, worship together. It's a reminder. We're still here. We're alive. We're making it. <laughs> well, we are in a sermon series called How Can Faith Help With? And we are uh, going through different um, topics like how can faith help with doubts? How can help faith help with regrets? And today, we want to talk about insecurities. Do you have insecurities? We all have them, right? I mean, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have insecurity, right? All of us are insecure about something. How can faith help with our insecurities? I, I felt this is a good topic, especially because the pandemic made our insecurities and doubts even sharper, right? Pandemic, season of isolation, uh, difficulties, it can make any of us question, can I make it? You know, am I going to be enough to make it through this time? And all kinds of questions come up. You know, this question, am I enough in the eyes of our parents, in the eyes of our friends, the eyes of our peers, in the eyes of ourselves? That question, am I enough? That's such a sharp, painful question. Especially in the age of social media where we see beautiful pictures of people around us posting, you know, they, people only post the good stuff, right? They post these incredibly good looking, you know, vacations or like wonderful family. Um, you know, I mean, they look so, they look like they're just all having such great time. You know, they're all having such, doing so well. How about me? How about us? We don't look like that most of the time, at least, right? And, you know, I, I, am I doing enough? For, for those of you who are parents, are, are you doing enough for your kids? Are you doing the, the very best you could be doing? Could you be doing something more, better, that you're missing? And you see these posts of your friends and your peers posting, you know, great job promotion or your kids going to some great program. And am I all that I could be? Am I all that I could be doing? Oh, that's such a sharp question. Am I a good mom? Not that I'm a mom, but you know, you know what I mean. I, I, are you a good mom? Are you a good dad? Are you doing the best you could be doing, especially in America where they tell you you could be anything you want to be if you just tried on enough? I mean, it's just so hard. These insecurities, the expectations and the standards have gotten so much higher with all the social media cause a lot of insecurities these days. So I'd like to take a, a look at a passage today that offers great insights 
into how human mind works and how faith can help us in this age of doubt and insecurities. It's from the book of Luke in the Bible. Luke chapter 18. Jesus told this story one day. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heaven, beat at his breast, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that the tax collector, rather than the devout Pharisee, went home justified before God. Let me give you some background to the story. At the time of Jesus, Pharisees were upstanding, Bible-believing, devout, faithful believers. They are today's equivalent to church elders, deacons. They are Bible-believing Christians. That's who they were. Tax collectors, on the other hand, they were shady characters. They are not like today's IRS agents, okay? Those guys back then, they were collaborators with the Roman Empire who were oppressing Israel. The Roman Empire hired local enforcers, thugs, really, who were hired to go around, collect taxes, because they knew everybody and they knew local businesses, they were ideally suited to squeeze everything they could out of people around them. And their salary, their pay, was whatever they could get that was above and beyond the official tax rate. So they were like mafia thugs, <laughs> right? They go around, you know, squeezing people for everything they are worth, and most of their methods were, you know, allowed by the Roman Empire. You know, you could beat them up, break their kneecaps, you know, do whatever you can to just squeeze people. So you can't imagine what went on. It was bad. These people were bad people. They were betrayers of their own people. They were violent. They were corrupt. Bad people. So when the Pharisee, today's equivalent to Bible-believing Christian, sees the tax collector, he immediately thinks, thank God I'm not like him, right? God, I thank you that I'm not like these other bad people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, this tax collector. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of all I get. I'm a good Christian. I'm upstanding. I do everything right. So, when he sees these other people, what immediately happens to him, he immediately compares himself, right? He compares himself to other people, especially this tax collector. All these other bad people he looks down on. That's human nature, though, don't you think? We're always comparing, measuring ourselves against other people. Am I better? Am I worse? How am I doing compared to people we see around us? We, 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 we don't compare ourselves to like faraway places like slum residents of India. We compare ourselves to our friends, our neighbors, people we see 
the people we are connected to on social media. And that's why in the United States and other developed countries, we are no happier than, say, people who live in Nepal, right? I mean, we have economically, wealth-wise, we have like 100 times more than people who live in Nepal. But we are no happier. In fact, happiness research suggests they are happier than us. <laughs> Why is that? Because people who live in Nepal, they compare themselves to people around themselves. <laughs> and it's the comparison that determines your happiness and how you feel about yourself, not your absolute level of how well you're doing. You get that? And we are always looking up. Like when we look at our social media, we're always looking up. We're, we're never thinking about, you know, slum people in India, you know, and how well we are doing compared to them. We're never thinking about that. So, and because we see all this good stuff around us, it brings on feelings of inadequacy, criticisms, self-critical thoughts, because we only look at the people who are doing better than us usually. And, and it just brings on all this self-doubt. All these thoughts, it's always going on with everyone about everything. I want to show you a short clip. Some of you have seen this before, but I want to show it again. It's so insightful.
Isn't that so insightful? Dove commercial. Oh my gosh, who knew that Dove commercial had more wisdom than... <laughs> oh, it's so insightful and so incisive. It, it tells us exactly what's going on. We have all these thoughts going on in our heads every day, every moment. And, and, and these thoughts, we would never dream of saying it to anyone else. It's so violent. It's so terrible. But we feel no problems just thinking it and saying it to ourselves as if that's all right. It is not all right. It's not all right. That's violence to yourself. The first commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love yourself to be able to love others. That's the greatest commandment in Christian faith. And it is, a, it is a great sin to do this to ourselves. And yet, we do it automatically. We do it routinely. We have no problem doing it all the time. We are so full of insecurities. We do it even without realizing we are doing it. And ironically, the Bible calls this the original sin, the greatest sin that there could be. Pride comes from this. Envy comes from this. Murderous rage comes from this. Deception, self-deception comes from this. All kinds of evil comes from this. It is the root of all human dissatisfaction, restlessness, and anger. Book of Genesis chapter 3 in the Bible describes the fall of humanity and the greatest problem that humanity faces. You know the story, Adam and Eve take the forbidden fruit. That forbidden fruit is the origin of all our problems and it is called the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Have you ever wondered why it is that it's called the fruit of knowledge of good and evil? Why is that such a big problem, right? I mean, wouldn't you think it's a good idea to know and distinguish between good and evil, good and bad? Why is that such a big problem, right? I mean, isn't that what churches are all about? They were supposed to tell you what's good, what's bad, what's evil. Why is that the original sin? This is a deep stuff. This is the Bible. This is, this is, it requires you to go deeper than what we think about on the surface. Well, Genesis 3 goes on to tell us what comes from this fruit. The first thing that happens is, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. To me, this is the saddest passage in the Bible. Before taking this fruit, they could look at themselves naked, fully, transparently, and they saw nothing wrong with who they were. They felt no need to cover up any part of who they were. They were happy with who they were. But after taking this fruit, they apply it to themselves, they judge themselves, good, bad, better, worse, it becomes a weapon, it becomes a knife against themselves, it becomes what Dove Commercial talks about. They are judging themselves. Do you see that? The tree of knowledge of good and evil applied against yourself. And they see themselves as bad, not good enough, evil, whatever. They, it's weaponized judgment. And now they feel compelled to cover up. Cover up their insecurities these self-critical thoughts. 
So you see this inner voice in your head that also always criticizing you? That's with everyone. That's not just you. That's all of humanity. It's what the Bible describes as the fall, the original sin that's in all human beings. It's been with us from the very beginning. Thus begins the age of insecurities. And ever since, all human beings have been obsessed with coverings. And I think this is how we are different from animals. We, we need more than what our animal instincts demand. We need more than just food and clothing and what we just need. We, we have all these insecurities <laughs> that animals don't seem to have. We have a little puppy. We love this puppy, but she's got a lot of problems. <laughs> you know, like for example, she eats her own poop left to herself. That's gross. Ugh. <laughs> It's terrible. She needs to stop. But she seems to have no problem with it. <laughs> she has no like, oh, I'm so bad. I eat my own poop. There's nothing like that going on with her. She's just happy with herself, no matter what she does. And we are very different from animals in that, don't you think? I think our insecurities distinguish us <laughs> from animals. That's what makes us human beings. I guess. And because of that, because we feel inadequate deep inside, because we can never feel good enough about ourselves, we are always and forever climbing the ladder, running the rat race, keeping up with the Joneses. There's a ton of phrases like that, right? We're always trapped in that because we need more and more covering to satisfy that insecurity, that deep hole, always going for more. It never ends. And that's why we are into checking off boxes, like this Pharisee. I fast, I tithe, I go to church. Checking off boxes, right? Do you see that? He's, he's checking off. Am I, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, and so I'm better than all those other people, so I'm good. We're always asking, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? We are frantic. Because that, that hole is never filled. Always, always demanding. That's why the cross speaks so powerfully when it says, you are enough. You are the beloved. You are accepted as you are. Because it's not about you. Because it's about God's love for you. God's love for you is unconditional. That's what the cross is all about. It's like how the parents love their kids. There is no reason. There's no condition. You just love them. And that's what makes us worthy. Because worth is in the eye of the beholder. And God pronounces you worthy of God's life. And that is why it's so beautiful and so powerful what the gospel is. Amen? Amen. Take it in. Believe in the message of God's love. And that's what will save us from the original sin 
all the insecurities. Doesn't that sound good? Well, let me give you some practical suggestions to move forward in such faith. First, identify what makes you look good in your own eyes. You know those things that make you feel better, you know, like, oh, I did that, and so I feel great, and I make you feel worthy, you know, like the Pharisee. I fast, I tithe, so I feel good, you know? (laughs) Those things will enslave you. They become your addiction that make you get trapped in the rat race to get more and more of those hits into your brain, and you will become a slave. We get deceived into thinking, if I just get that rich, I will be worthy then. If I become that successful, if I get that promotion, if I do a good job as a parent for the kids, if the kids do this and this and this, then I will feel good about myself and I will be worthy. Then, 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 there's, a, there's never an end to those thens. It, it will never be enough. Once you get one then, there will be another then. <laughs> Once you get one if, there will be another if you will need. Those coverings are never enough. Because it's not about what we have. It's about the original sin, the deep hole in your heart. That will never be filled with those things. Always be enslaved by it. The Bible says, it is for freedom Christ has set us free. Amen. This freedom that the Bible talks about is freedom from that enslavement, the rat race, the the need for more coverings, freedom from the original sin, freedom from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, freedom from the fall. You know, actually what this verse refers to is it refers to religious systems. When you look at the whole passage, it's talking about how the religious systems enslave us. Because religious systems are so well-suited for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's so good at ranking people. It's so easy to use religion like Christianity to compare ourselves to others, just like the Pharisee did with the tax collector. But isn't it interesting that Jesus says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that the tax collector Rather than this devout Pharisee, this devout Bible-believing Christian religious person who went home justified before God. How can this be? How can a tax collector, a thug, objectively a bad person, be justified before God ahead of a good Christian like a Pharisee? How can that be? It is because the devout believer is eating from the fruit of tree of knowledge of good and evil, just eating it all up without even realizing it. When he is comparing himself to all these other people, it is just pure knowledge of good and evil and comparing himself to others. That is the biggest sin there is. Whereas the tax collector, he has nothing to hang his hat on. He has no excuse He offers no bargain to God. He offers no justification. This is actually exceptional. Most people, even criminals, they have excuses 
for who they are. I've seen a lot of um, Godfather movies and <laughs> you know those gangster movies, Goodfellas, and, and all these criminals, they all have like their justifications, right? They say things like, I'm not a rat at least. They say things like, cops are worse, politicians are worse, this world is dog-eat-dog, dog. at least I'm honest. This world is what made me who I am. This is how, it, do you know, what, you know what I mean, right? They all have their pride. They all have their excuse and justification. They're all coverings. But this tax collector exceptionally offers no excuse, no bargain, nothing. He doesn't come to God and say, God, forgive me, I will give you more offerings. He doesn't come before God and says, I'll come to church more faithfully. He doesn't say, I will do more good things. He doesn't say, you know, at least I have this excuse, that excuse. Nothing like that. Do you see that? He offers nothing. He appeals for God's unconditional mercy. That is the path to salvation. That ability to say, I come as I am, God. I have my good points and a lot of bad points. I come to you as I am. And I will not try to justify. I will not try to excuse. I just am counting on your love for me. That is the essence of Christian faith. That is the essence of salvation, is agape love. So take in the agape love of God deeply into yourself. Because that is the heart of Christian faith. There's nothing that matters more in our faith. This is really it. I mean, this is why we are here as church, to help each other believe in and take in God's unconditional love for you and me to remind each other to help each other exercise spiritual disciplines to fight against the world and its system of ranking and comparing and all that it does to cover up what cannot be covered up but we are here to remind each other that God became a human being gave God's life for you and me unconditionally without asking anything in return and everything else flows from that when we take in that love. So we have a lot of practical suggestions and different techniques and helping each other try to do better. Well, the pandemic made it hard for us to get together and do all these things, but one thing you can do at home is ask yourself the following questions. What must you have? What gets to you and what goes to your head? What makes you look good in your eyes? Success, beauty. What gets to you when people say this or that? You know, maybe if people say you are not fair, that really gets you angry. Like what are those things? Because those are your coverings. Do you have to be a good, successful, you know, beautiful, 
parent, what is it? Those are your coverings. Come to God with those coverings. Ask God to help you take off all of your coverings. Come before God as you are. Accept yourself. Taking God's love into your heart. Accept yourself and fight against all those voices that go through your head that if you said to someone else, it would be unexcusable violence. Fight those voices. With the love of God, Holy Spirit will help you. That is the job of the Spirit of God. Because Holy Spirit is God's love in its purest form. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this message of love from the cross. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here today, even now, even in this space, to speak to our hearts, to speak to our souls, to speak to our deep inner being, to get us to a better place where we can be happy with who we are and we can be happy with others around us so we can live a life of love, so we can live a life that you want for us. Thank you, God, for this faith, for this gospel message that sets us free from this world of rat race. Help us be free this week. Help us feel the love of God into ourselves. Help us love ourselves and others. This is the greatest commandment from you. Thank you that this is 